Welcome to episode 71 of the Rusty George podcast. And today we'll be discussing the unspeakable tragedy that the city of Santa Clarita has suffered over the past few days. On Thursday morning at 7.38, a very um, hurting young man decided to uh, take out a gun and uh, fire shots at Saugus High School. He eventually would kill two students, injure uh, three others, and then take his own life. Anytime something like this happens, it, 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 it shakes us to our very core. And for those of us living in Santa Clarita, this has been something that's happened elsewhere, but never here. And so for all of us who are wrestling with this right now, this has been a very difficult last few days. If you missed any of our vigil services, uh, you can watch any of those online at reallifechurch.org or uh, through all of our opportunities to minister to people through the prayer vigil that the city so graciously put together with our friends at KHTS um, and also our city officials and local churches, but also all the churches that participated in all the vigils that were offered over the past few days. It's been... It's been a very difficult time, and it's been a very therapeutic time. I have seen our, our, our city come together in ways I, I've never even noticed before. We've had tragedies before of fires and suicides, and, um, the shooting in Vegas that impacted so many in our valley, but nothing quite like this. And as a, as a pastor of a church in this community, I can just tell you how proud I am to call Santa Clarita my home. When I think about two of the victims' families who live in the same neighborhood and how when they returned home from the hospital, one with their child and the other without, their neighborhood had lined up candles on the sidewalks all the way throughout the neighborhood, memorializing and um, standing with them through this difficult time. Immediately, a meal train was put together to take care of these families. Over 200 people signed up meals for probably a year. But then what, what just absolutely captivated my heart was apparently somebody then decided, let's reach out to the mother of the shooter who has to feel so overwhelmed right now, so many questions, and so sad. And they reached out to figure out a way to organize a meal train for her as well. And we are working with efforts to help her and so many other people that have been impacted through this event. What do you do when such unspeakable tragedy happens? For many of us, we resort back to the scriptures. David writes, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble under the sea. Be still and know that I am God. And I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. And the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And I don't know where you find yourself today with all of this. For many of us, it's so gut-wrenching, it's hard to talk about. And just to see the sun come up the next day is a breath of fresh air, but also a little bit stunning. And talking with one of the families of one of the deceased, they said the hardest part's the morning because you wake up and you you forget what's happened for just a second, and then it all comes crashing back on you. 
I was um, having a conversation with somebody the other day about this awful event, and they said, I would imagine most people want to know why God would allow this. And I said, yes, that is true. Most people do. But what is interesting is that the people closest to the situation, meaning the parents of the victims, and oftentimes the victims aren't asking God why, they're leaning on God. It's all of those a few steps removed from the uh, ground zero, you might say, that really feel the questions of why. I uh, know that this question is a question that people have wrestled with uh, forever and have wondered why God uh, allows such things. And I, I think we have to first of all start with this. Did God cause this or did God allow this? I'm of the particular belief that God has granted us all free will, which means that as much as I have the freedom to do something kind for somebody, somebody else has the freedom to do a criminal act like this. It's the way God has organized the world to say, I want to have a relationship with you, one that I don't coerce, one that I don't trick you into, but one that you choose to love me. It's right there at the Garden of Eden when he says, the tree's there, you can have it, but I would rather have a relationship with you. And inevitably, we all make the wrong call. So the question then becomes, if God allowed it, why? Why would God allow a school shooting? What good could possibly come from this? And though we will never have our questions answered as to why, we do know that God is not one who stands at a distance and is unable to understand what it is that we are going through. I think about this incredible book called Letters from a Skeptic. It's, um, it's published by a pastor by the name of Greg Boyd. And he talks in this uh, book, it's basically a, co a collection of letters that he and his father wrote back to one another, back and forth. Greg's dad, uh, Ed Boyd, was not a believer in God, and Greg was a pastor. And in the book, there's a section um, where Ed talks about losing his wife, and he mentions that while she was dying, they all prayed and prayed, but it seemed like God didn't care. Well, Greg responded to his dad's letter straight from the gut about his mother's death and the question of suffering and evil, and he recalled a time of struggling with his own faith in college. And one day, as he reflected on the horror of Auschwitz, he looked up at the sky and said in a loud, angry voice, the only God I can believe in is one who knows firsthand what it's like to be a Jewish child buried alive and know what it's like to be a Jewish mother watching her child be burned. Greg writes, and just then it occurred to me, that is exactly the kind of God Christianity proclaims. There is no other belief which does this. Only the gospel dares to proclaim that God enters smack dab into the middle of the hell we create. Only the gospel declares to proclaim that God was born a baby in a bloody, crap-filled stable, that he lived a life befriending the prostitutes and lepers no one else would befriend, and that he suffered firsthand the hellish depth of all that is nightmarish in human existence. Only the gospel, this portrait of God, makes sense of the contradictory fact that the world is at once so beautiful and so ugly. And to his father, Greg writes, I don't know exactly why God didn't answer our prayers for Greg's mom and his dad's wife. 
I know that if it wasn't for human sin, and if we weren't involved in this spiritual war, this painful situation never would have arisen. But more important than this explanation is this understanding. God was suffering with you and me and mom throughout the whole affair. He cries too. And through his participation in our pain, he wants to redeem it. He wants to bring about whatever healing is possible to you and to me and to all that are involved. And can I tell you that God wants to redeem this? I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I do believe that all things can be redeemed. And because of Jesus and because of what he has done, we can have hope. Hope gets the last word, not death, not school shootings, not cancer, not disease, not disability, not depression, not anxiety, not suicide, but hope. And our hope is a living hope in Christ. I pray you're encouraged today and know that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and walks with us. And if this might encourage someone else, share it with them. Next week, we'll be back with brand new content. As always, following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Let's love one another together.